The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Eagles fans, welcome to another edition of Football 24-7 with John McMullen. I am your humble host, Tone DeSeals II, the producer, the man behind the scenes, and also the host of Chalk It Up Sports, where no matter if we win or if we lose, we just got to charge to the game. First things first, as I always do, I like to check in with my guys. John, how are you feeling this evening? Doing well, Tone. Here we are, day two. Exciting. Really day four, but, you know. We'll, we'll say it day two, or that's when we get to see day two. Yeah, it's, it's so funny because in the midst of me preparing for the show, I'm, 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 sitting in, I'm sitting in my studio and I'm counting the days. I'm like, okay, well, day one was technically Tuesday. We did the first, technically Tuesday, but we labeled the show day one because of day one of open practice. But the guys have pretty much been at the Novacare Complex since about Tuesday. Uh, this is day two of open practice coverage. And, you know, there's so much to discuss, as always, so many storylines to get into. Um, let's start with the overall, your overall assessment of day two of Eagles training camp. Was it a green practice, a yellow <clears throat> practice, a red? What was your overall assessment? It was a yellow oh, practice, yeah. 75 minutes. Um, so for those who don't understand, the uh, uh, on, back on Wednesday was a green practice, and that, uh, is what Nick Sirianni described as high intensity. This was um, a little bit longer. Um, they want 58 minutes on Wednesday, uh, but not as high paced, not as fast paced. Um, and that's their yellow practice. And uh, the defense bounced back in a big way. I mean, they dominated today. 
and I joke because Big Fangio was there, and anybody's been watching Birds 365 um, has heard me say the Eagles are going to run um, a similar scheme to what Big is famous for uh, around the NFL, and he was there today sort of taking things in as a guest uh, of the Eagles. Um, and the defense must have known he was there because they dominated I mean, dominated. I, I'm to the point where, you know, I always tried to come up with the offensive play of the day, the defensive play of the day. It was easy for the defensive play of the day. I, I had to spend five, ten minutes trying to think of an offensive play to put in there. I mean, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad Damn. from an offensive perspective today. And, you know, I'll – Typically in the NFL, defense is ahead of the offense earlier. So from that perspective, I wouldn't get too concerned. But yeah, this was this was as dominant a practice for one side as you're ever going to see. And for people who are saying, you know, McMullen's negative, and they always say we're picking on Jalen Hurts or we're picking on so and so. Well, number one, go back to Wednesday. I said he performed very well. But number two, listen to Jason Kelsey. Because Jason Kelsey admitted after practice, yeah, we stunk. We got our, you know what, whooped today uh, from the defensive side. The offense was not good. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, like you said, when a guy like Jason Kelsey, you know, calls out the offense for having a bad day, you know, the the, the proof must be in the pudding. But, you know, this has to, this has to give Jonathan Gannon some level of leeway with the media and the fans just a little bit right um you know john again he's been preaching that he wants to have an extremely versatile defense he wants versatile players players that are multiple and it's so ironic that big fangio was uh, was in attendance like you said this defense is being modeled most defenses actually are being modeled after what big fangio has pioneered i guess you would say um and you know fangio gets a lot of credit for john again style in general uh, well, before we get to Jonathan Gannon specifically, were you able to actually chat with Fangio or, or I guess, pick his brain as to, you know, why he was there or, you know, why he showed up today versus any other day? No, it's not. Um, Gunnar Brewer was also there, um, former Eagles wide receiver coach. Did get to catch up with him for a few minutes, but it's not rare. Um, it's typical for coaches to go around. Doug Peterson last year, you know, people got all um, – crazy when he went to visit the bears um and he was out there wearing bear stuff <laughs> and people went nuts and he was just out visiting matt Nagy, uh who's a good friend of his and the, those two were together here and in, in kansas city um right. is uh sort of he's built up his sports fan uh, um had been obviously he's been a coach for a very long time but um just visiting, you know, last year it was Mike McCoy. Mike McCoy was in here a lot. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, I got a hundred people cause I got the picture of Vic and I put it up on Twitter. Um, I got 47 Eagles fans saying, Oh, let's fire again. They're not firing Jonathan Gannon. I mean, just stop it. And Vic Bangio, look, you never say never. Yeah, I'm sure the Eagles would love to bring him in as a consultant if he wanted to work this year. 
he wants to be a head coach again. He probably should still be a head coach. Um, you know, as evidenced by the pack, how many how many teams in this league uh, want to run his defense? But even because the league is so offensive minded, even if he doesn't become a head coach and it looks like he's going to take, uh, obviously he's going to take this year off from that perspective. Um, he he will have his choice uh, of where he wants to go as a defensive coordinator if he wants to restart his career in that particular position. So um, you never say never as a consultant because he, 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 you know, he, he's, if he's willing to do it, the Eagles would certainly be open to it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't hope I wouldn't hold my breath on that one tone. I mean, it's pretty evident. He's going to take the year off and decide where he's going to go last season. And, you know, but it's good to pick his brain. And he was in, and I'm sure Nick Sirianni and, and Jonathan Gannon picked his brain. Uh, and, and coaches do it all the time. Absolutely. And Jonathan Gannon, he's in a position where he has to put up or shut up. This defense can't afford to have another lackluster season like they did last <clears> year. <throat> and if we're being completely honest, like I mentioned, Jonathan Gannon, he wants his defense to be versatile and multiple. And he claims that he wants this defense to be able to adapt to any situation, be able to adapt to any um, op- opposing offense. You know, has he honestly shown a willingness to adapt so far when you think about his 2021 campaign and some things you've seen in training camp? Um, I, you know, just by the fact that I'm kind of torn on this because I, I kind of say, you know, at what point does it become um, – better to zig when everybody else is zagging. Like there's so many teams that, that are running big system, you know, at one point, if everybody does the same thing, it becomes, okay, who does it best? You know, there's something to say for going against the grain and doing something different, which I think kind of defines Bill Belichick better than anybody else like bill doesn't give a rats you know what about what everybody <laughs> else is doing everybody calls the nfl a copycat league because it is a copycat league but he's got tremendous gravitas he doesn't have to copy you know it's tough for jonathan gannon people can they criticize jonathan all they want but he's like everybody else in this league you know and he he doesn't have the gravitas of, of one or two guys, Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, people like that. Maybe throw a Pete Carroll in there, Mike Tomlin, um, guys who've been around a long time. Um, it's tough for him to go out on the reservation and say, I want to do something different than anybody else. It's easy to say. It's tough to do. Um, Does that speak to his lack of pedigree in the NFL? Well, who's – yeah, I mean, but, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think people look at it like you can do whatever you want. And that's not the case for 95% of the coaches. They have people to answer to. They have GMs to answer to. They have owners to answer to. Um, There are very, very few people that can just say, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want. Very few. You can count them on one hand. 
So, owners and GMs want something. And sorry to cut you off, but I just want to make sure we're dissecting this right. Owners and GMs, essentially what you're saying is they're not just going to allow someone to come in and just no. play cowboy with the organization. They want someone who's going to come in with a tried and true formula. And if you're successful, mm -hmm. then maybe we'll give you some leeway. Am, am, exactly. am, I, am I on point? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the assumption that he's any different than any other coach you would bring than Nick Sirianni, you know. For some reason, Philadelphia has not taken a shine to Jonathan Gannon. Everybody around the league has. Uh, Nick Sirianni's the same way. Um, he can't do whatever he wants. That's evidenced by the fact that they practice 58 minutes. Nick can go up there, and I say it all the time with Jody on Birds 365, he can say all the time that, oh, I'm on board with this, I'm on board with that. He's the most competitive guy in the world. He's not on board with that. If you tell me Nick Sirianni, if you put true serum in Nick Sirianni and you say, oh, Nick, you could have 13 practices in the spring, but we're only going to use five of them. He's on board with that? Yeah. Full, full bleep, as they say, Tone. No, he's not on board with that. He's a young coach who doesn't have a lot of cachet, doesn't have a lot of gravitas, and he's got to go along with what Howie Roseman believes, what Arsh Denota believes. And if he wins, you know, maybe that changes a little bit. Maybe that tide turns a little bit. Um, early? No. Doesn't work like that. So, I don't know what people expect from Jonathan Gannon, but he had a top 10 defense last year because he got there in a different way than a lot of the fan base likes with, with the talent he had. So people say, why did this guy get three head coaching interviews? I, I, I mean, context, you put together a top 10 defense with that talent. Yeah. People are going to call. Uh, now just to put devil's advocate, what do you say to those people who say, okay, I, I didn't see this top 10 defense. We had several quarterbacks, uh, nine to be exact, complete over 73% over 73 of their passes. Five of those five of those nine completed over 80% of their passes. And they, had, and, they, and they also allowed a 92, 93% passer in Derek Carr. You know, although he had a top 10 defense on paper, you know, what do you say to those people who saw what they saw as far as, you know, these completion percentages by these quarterbacks, you know, it, 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 that's kind of hard to excuse, is it not? Well, it's not good. I mean, you know, their their thought process was eliminate big plays, which they did for the most part. They were top five in the league when it came up uh, uh, to giving up big plays. And how do you how do you limit big plays? Well, you play a lot of zone. You play a lot of safeties over the top. You force teams to go uh, 15, 20 play drives, uh, and you hope they make a mistake. It's not sexy, uh, but when you don't have a ton of talent, it's probably the best way to go. Um, you know, he, Jonathan was honest. That's not acceptable, um, the 80% completion percentages. Um, certainly not what you like. But um, there's the back end to that. The back end was top five in, in explosive plays. And top five by top five, I mean and top five in not giving up explosive plays. So 
Um, you know, the mon in a, in a lot of ways, and one of the problems with Jalen Hurts is we all talk about completion percentage. Well, the reason why is because in the modern NFL, if you're a top-tier quarterback, 65% is bad. It's bad. You know, Drew Brees was at the end of his career, 70, 71%. I mean, <laughs> now, and that's over a full season. But the thing is, Drew kind of, as you kind of saw at the end, lost arm strength, and he was throwing everything underneath. You know, I don't care if somebody runs a hitch and a bubble screen and gets two yards. That's a completion. I don't give a rat's ass. That's a win for the defense. Uh, if you give up two yards on a bubble screen, but it's a completion. If you're giving up a completion for 40 yards, that's that's different. Um and the goal is obviously to get better, not by any stretch of the imagination am I saying the Eagles had a good defense last year, but it was above average with below average talent. I mean, I don't know how many people had this team in the playoffs last year. Not many. Now they now they say it, maybe, revisionist historians, but I don't know too many people in real time who had this team making the playoffs. And one of the reasons they made the playoffs is because they didn't give up a ton of big plays. Now, yeah, could they beat good teams? No, no. But, but did should... people expect them to be good team? Like, let's be honest, right? You know, people had this team winning four or five games coming into last yeah. year, right? And this team surpassed those expectations. You had people who like to move the goalposts and say, well, you didn't beat anybody. It's like, well, you saw our schedule prior to the season and you said we were going to win X amount of games still, and they still managed to move above that barometer. So I guess in theory, that defense and that offense uh, exceeded expectations, right? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, if you would have told me that defense and, you know, you could look at it from the advanced statistics, it's not as good as top 10. So, you know, depending what number you want to use, you can say above average. You can say below average. You can you can use that's the problem with numbers. You can manipulate them uh, to go in any direction you want to go. Um, the bottom line for and really Jim Schwartz would say the same thing. So I mean the bottom line is winning football games, and the Eagles won more football games than they were supposed to win, and they generally took care of business against the teams they were supposed to beat. Now they got to take the next step and they got to take the next step and get better and be able to beat those better teams. But think about it this way. You know, we were talking to Jason Kelsey today and, you know, somebody who's not there a lot asked Jason, you know, so many new pieces on offense, you know, how how is it going to work this year? And Jason looked at them and said, because Jason's always honest to a fault. He said, <laughs> we don't have any new pieces. We have A.J. Brown. That's it. Everybody else is back. It tells you, well, the, what does that tell you? It tells you the Eagles thought the pieces were together for the most part on the offensive side of the football. Good offensive line. Um, Devontae Smith. You got a good tight end. Uh, backs are not great, but they're good. And you have Kenny Gainwell, who's ascending. 
Um, and then we talk about the quarterback all the time. And, you know, they swung for the fences with Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. Um, so that could have changed if everything went perfectly. Defensively, uh-uh. Uh-uh. Hassan Reddick, Jordan Davis, Kaiser White, James Bradbury, uh, Chikwaski Tart. They knew. What does that tell you? That it tells you they knew they needed help from a talent perspective, way more on the defensive side of the football. So the Eagles are essentially telling you, okay, we had talent here, we didn't have talent here. Right. But for whatever reason, people are blaming Jonathan Gannon. I mean, I think the Eagles' defense overachieved last year. That's my that's my opinion. To 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 think they underachieved, it's insanity to me. Well, let's put it in perspective. This Eagles offense, right? They averaged twenty six points per game. That's that was ranked twelfth in the NFL. By that standard, that's a playoff level of scoring. You know, I believe 12 teams make the playoffs right now, right? Or is it 14? Well, they made the playoffs. Right, right. So they had a playoff level. Of, they, they, they performed well enough throughout the season from a scoring perspective to be in the playoffs, you know, to be able to play in, you know, to be able to play in that sandbox. Now, could this team had improved from, a, from an efficiency perspective when it comes to scoring? Could this team have been more efficient scorers? Absolutely. But – like you said, they felt the nucleus on offense was pretty intact. They needed to add one more piece, and that was A.J. Brown. The defense is what needed most of the tune-up, you know, most of the work, most of the injection of talent. And you also brought up the fact that we this defense played above their means. They, they were able to limit explosive plays, and they were considered to be a top-10 uh, defense in some respect. Now, though, limiting those explosive plays are great. You are forcing the offense to be able to, you're forcing the offense to have to work much harder than they should. You're forcing the offense to have. Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Have to stay on the field longer than they should. Like you said, 14, 15, maybe 16 play drives, right? That's great. And that provides more opportunity for the defense to force the offense to make mistakes. And I think that was is what was missing for what from what Jonathan Gannon was trying to do. You, you kept them on the field for a long time. You made them throw the ball a lot. You forced them to have to go the whole length of the field, but you couldn't force them force them to make a mistake. How important are, will turnovers be 
for this defense. You know, this defensive line was not able to get home. They were not able to force too many strip sacks or force the quarterback to make any mistakes. How important is it for this defense to be able to step up this season and put the offense in better positions, preferably on shorter fields? Because we all know Jalen Hurts spent more time going 80 to 90 yards every single drive rather than 40, 50-yard drives. Well, yeah, I mean, it helps. I mean, that would help any quarterback. That would help Aaron Rodgers on down. So it's not just Jalen Hurts. But, um, yeah, I mean, Nick and, and Jonathan actually uh, talk about it constantly. The two most important statistics for both of them are turnovers and explosive plays. That's it. And those are the two stats that – relate to winning most if you if you win the turnover battle we all know it's been around for years you're the likelihood you're going to win the football game increases dramatically if you win the explosive play battle your likelihood of winning the football game uh spikes dramatically uh those are the two most important uh statistics um from a defensive perspective yeah, the Eagles need more turnovers. Um, that's a big place. Slay had a huge year when it came to turnovers. But overall, they need more turnovers. They need more sacks. And that's the thing. I mean, in Philadelphia, for some reason. And this is what, you know, gets Jonathan in trouble. He doesn't give a rat's ass about sacks. He doesn't care. <laughs> Not that he dislikes them. He'd love to have them, but it doesn't correlate to winning football games necessarily. Um, if you give up explosive plays, you're going to lose. Um, so, and and by the way, that's what Vic Fangio's defense is based upon. A um, lot of um, cover two, a lot of cover three, a um, lot of guys over the top forcing you to to go down the field uh meticulously um forcing you into more opportunities to make mistakes now where Vic is different and especially in chicago and san francisco he had the people up front so he had the same coverage jonathan uses but he had the people up front that were difference makers whether it was khalil mack or, or people of that nature who can make plays. And that's why Hassan Reddick is so important. That's why Jordan Davis is so important. Um, but Jordan from a different perspective, because, you know, it's going to be Jordan's job to tie up opposing blockers. So it's not going to be sexy. And that's why I told Jody this. I'm concerned that it's too esoteric for certain people to understand what value Jordan Davis has, because all they want is sex. All they want is sex. He's not getting sex. I don't care what the Eagles say. He's going to do this. He's gonna, no, he's not. He's going to he's going to take up blockers, and that's going to make it easier for Hassan Reddick, and that's going to make it easier for Josh Sweat, and that's you. You could see it in college with Nicobe Dean. Every single one of his stinking highlights was that big guy in front of him taking up blockers so he could make plays. Every single one of them almost. 
but you know, it, it, yeah. it it's tough to explain to people um, these sort of intangible things that are so important to a to a defense. You know, well, I think me and you spoke about this before. How valuable, how important Jordan Davis is to the overall success, to the overall functionality. Uh, of this defense and then even Hassan Reddick, those are the two most important pieces on the defensive side of the ball to me um, outside of obviously, you know, the corners and the linebackers. I think Jordan Davis and, and Hassan Reddick are the two, are the two coils, are the, are, are the two cogs in the, in this machine that will allow it to function, you know, without a hitch. And, you know, in John McGann's press conference, you don't want to stay on John McGann a, a little longer then we'll transition to us. Uh, yeah, he created a firestorm by yeah. saying Hassan Reddick is going to drop in the cover. You you knew exactly where I was going yeah. with this. <laughs> so because, I have to ask you. I, I mean, look, Hassan, what what Jonathan, I and I've told Jonathan this before, to be honest, I think he gets himself in trouble because he's a little bit too honest. Um, it, he, Everybody drops in the coverage. Everybody. But especially since Dom Capers um, created the zone blitz and, and way back when he did, um, everybody drops in the coverage. Last year, Hassan Reddick dropped in the coverage 73 times, I think the number was, uh, with Carolina. I, I, I don't, do people think he's never going to drop in coverage? I did. To be, no, go after the quarterback on every single play. Now, what you're trying to do is create some kind of uh, doubt in a quarterback's mind. So, you know, it might be a zone blitz that I just said, and Hassan drops in coverage and, you know, Avante Maddox blitzes, for instance. Uh, Kaiser White got a sack in practice today. Maybe it's Kaiser White. Uh, somebody drops somebody blitzes um he's not going to be an off-ball linebacker right what, I mean, what was three times, interesting, 17 game season you know four times yeah, a game right yeah exactly it's a curveball it's a changeup. that's what he's going to be used and it was funny because Hassan talked after practice his son and and by the way jonathan gave it away by he called him an overhang player so if you read the transcript called him an overhang player, to me he's an edge rusher, not an off-ball linebacker. People don't have to worry about that. They don't have to worry about it. You can, you can bring your hands about it if you want, but you don't have to worry about it. And Hassan talked after practice, he's up to 247 pounds. He hmm. typically played at about 230, 235. He wanted to add power and he wanted to add strength because he found some things working late in the season with Carolina. Does that sound like a guy who's preparing to drop into coverage a lot, gaining 200, uh, gaining, you know, 10, 15 pounds to get stronger? A he muscle. knows what he's here to do. <laughs> and if you don't believe me, if you don't believe Hassan Reddick, just in everything in life, follow the money. The Eagles aren't paying an off-ball linebacker who plays coverage, Kaiser White, $15 million a year. So 
bring your hands if you want. Hassan Reddick is going to rush the passer. Don't worry about him dropping in the coverage four times a game. Don't worry about it. It's part oh, you of know, the process. You know, you know, you know, fans can't help but to overreact, right? This is this is the this is the lifeblood of fans overreaction, correct? It is, but it's frustrating at times. I'm, John, I, I mean, you're a pro. You're a it, pro, it, John. It, 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 you know, I. Well, I, I'm I'm a pro, but I get frustrated. So, yeah, if <laughs> yeah. somebody thinks you're going to have human. you're going to have 65 defensive plays for the sake of argument in the game, and Hassan Reddick is going to be on the field for 60 of them, and he's going to be rushing the passer on 60 plays. I mean, that's insanity. What what are we talking about here? I mean, uh, that's when you should say, okay, this defensive coordinator stinks. That's when you should say it. When you have no curveballs, when you have no change-ups, when you're saying, all right, this guy's just going to rush the pass. I mean, come on. Is it fair to say that's what was lacking from last year's defense? We didn't have too many curveballs. We didn't have any change-ups. We no, they didn't, have any, they, they, they didn't have any finishers um, on the pass rush. You know, what's interesting, um, the Eagles were 31st in stacks. Yes. Um yes. But they were top half, I forget the exact number, in pressure percentage. Um, so, you know, I, I talked about with Brandon Grant. As great as a player Brandon has been, and it wasn't Brandon's fault last year. He got hurt in week two. But as great as a player as he has been, he's not a finisher. He's not a finisher. So, there, for the first time I can ever remember – uh, there was a team that was top five in sacks and bottom five in pressure percentage. And it was Minnesota. Top five in sacks, bottom five in pressure percentage. They don't get there, but when they do, they get home. Yes. There, there is there is a trait to be a finisher. There are great finishers. And it's is usually... Not not to date. I mean, his career high is seven and a half sacks. Um, you know, but you know, guys, uh, Chandler Jones, great finisher. Uh, Daniel Hunter, great finisher. Khalil Mack, um, uh, Khalil Mack, tremendous finisher. Um, there is there is a tr- that is a trait, and that's why guys look for lengthy to have the long arms and things like that. Uh, those tend to be the great finishers. Um, you know, I'd rather have the higher pressure percentage than the higher sack number is what I'm trying to say. You'll be a better defense. And, and by the way, Minnesota was a bottom five defense. Eagles were 10. Wow. So... It's true. Sacks don't necessarily correlate to winning. It's more so your ability to influence the game, influence the quarterback, maybe make, make, make him take a few steps, maybe make him take a few steps forward that he actually planned on doing. Um, you, I'm watching the press conference again, and you know, I think I think this may be my last Gannon question. Right? He's just the topic of conversation today. Uh, I can't help myself. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, you know, you asked him about Jaquaski Tart. And uh, he had a very interesting response. All positive things, of course. But I'm curious to know what was your assessment of his thoughts and response on Tart when you asked him. 
I'm I'm a little bit surprised that Tart has started off on the second team. Um, How come? Behind Kayvon Wallace, uh, Anthony Harris has been. Um, he was back today, but he's he's one of those guys that was recovering from COVID, so they were being very careful with him. Um, and and the first day of practice, the the starting safeties, uh, the first team safeties were Marcus Epps and Kayvon Wallace. A little bit of a surprise to me. Chukwuski uh, uh, Tart um, was running with the second team. Now, you know, part of it is he just got here. He got here in June, uh, June 18th, June 9th, somewhere around there. Uh, so that was his first day with the Eagles because that was the dead period. OTAs are over. Um, so I'm thinking, all right, maybe that makes some sense. But then, as I said, I went back. To last year, Stephen Nelson got signed two days before training camp. And first rep of team drills, he was the starting outside corner because the Eagles didn't have another option. Maybe the Eagles think more of a little bit more of Kayvon Wallace than the rest of us or they're leading on. Ultimately, I think Tart will be in the mix. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I say follow the money with with Hassan Reddick. You know, you should also follow the money with uh, Kwasi Tart. You know, he's been on a good defense for a long time, played a lot of football. But, you know, last year the, the 49ers brought him back on a one-year veteran minimum deal. And this year they wouldn't even give him that. And the Eagles gave him that a little bit more with incentives. But, I mean – tells you where he is in his career. So maybe the Eagles are crossing their fingers on Kayvon Wallace and they know what they have in Jaquaski Tart. Um, ultimately, I, I think it's going to be Harrison Epps, barring injury as the starters. And, and then Tart will be the third safety. Um, but that's the one position where you look at and say they could probably use an upgrade. Okay, I want to transition to the offensive side of the ball. One of the bigger stories that happened in training camp today was the Kenny Gainwell-Miles Sanders combo. Uh, apparently, Kenny Gainwell got most of the first team snaps. <laughs> Actually, he got all the first team snaps from what I read, and Miles Sanders was with was with the second team primarily. Are there signs? Are those signs of Sanders falling out of favor, or is it just precaution to injury? You know, do they want to make sure Gainwell is well prepared to run with the first team if need be? You know, what's your what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it it, it was interesting from the perspective. I can't remember the last time Miles didn't take a first team rep when he was healthy. Um, you have to go back to his rookie season, probably. Um, took every first team rep last year, so. It, it is it is a sea change. Um, I do think they want to see what what they have in Kenny Gainwell. So I think they know he's a good third down back. He's a good hurry up back. He's a very natural receiver. They want to see if he's more than that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's a good sign for Miles Sanders. Now I I don't know if Kenny Gainwell can be a lead back in this league. And if he is, it's probably going to be more of the Austin Eckler type lead back, 
you know, it's not going to be a Nick Chubb or, a, you know, forget about Derrick Henry or Jonathan Taylor. Should um, Nick Sirianni try to take a page out of the Brian Westbrook playbook for Kenny Gainwell? Boy, people are skipping steps on Kenny Gainwell. We're comparing Kenny Gainwell <laughs> to Brian Westbrook. Well, I, I, not necessarily saying he is Westbrook, but – when you think about the skill set, right? Just uh, their style. Let's 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 say, let's say that their style. You know, yeah, the style. The style right, was right. similar. Um, but yeah, but, key. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I I don't think he's he's not the guy you can give to the football twenty five times in a game. Kenny Gainwell. Um, but then again, either was Westbrook. Can he be that effective? I, I don't think so. Um, that's a tough ask for anyone. Um, did he show some positive signs? Yeah. I mean, he showed a lot of positive signs. But remember, he also got benched. I, I, I mean, he fumbled the football in Las Vegas. When Miles got hurt, people forget. They went right to Kenny Gainwell. I mean, in, the, in those first, whatever it was, four or five games, um, they were only using two backs, Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell. And when Miles Sanders went down in Las Vegas, they said, all right, you're up, Kenny. And he he had that big fumble inside the red zone right before halftime. And that was it. They had to go to Boston Scott and because they needed uh, a little bit more reliability. And moving forward, when Miles came back, it was Kenny who was out of the, the loop until Jordan Howard got hurt. And all of a sudden, he got another chance, at least another opportunity. Um, but people should learn from Miles Sanders' rookie season, who, by the way, Miles' rookie season was a heck of a lot better than Kenny Gainwell's rookie season. And people skip steps with Miles Sanders, and here we are. And now they think he stinks. Um, people are skipping skipping steps with Kenny Gainwell. Are there any other running backs on this roster that have caught your eye thus far? You know, they have guys like uh, Kennedy Brooks. Uh, I believe they also have, obviously, Boston Scott, you know, Jason Huntley. Uh, have any of those guys begin to, I guess, make a splash? You know, I'm really, I'm really intrigued by Kennedy Brooks. You know, he's a running back that – more so that one cut back, not really a power back, not really an elusive back, but he's more so of that tweener, um, about 205 pounds, like 5'10", something like that. And um, I was looking at some film of, um, of him. I, I, I love his patience. I love his stability at the running back position, his ability to maintain his balance when when running in traffic. And he just, he has, a like I said, he has a, a level of patience that I think is very fascinating when he's running behind his offensive line. And I think that bodes well with the way this offensive line, you know, pushes, you know, you know, pushes the ball down the field, um, you know, in the run game. Um, has, has, has there been any running backs that have caught your eye, uh, specifically? Uh, no, no, but it's not anybody's fault. I mean, they're not allowed to put on pads for a few more days. I mean, running back is a position that you just cannot evaluate until the pads come on. And because I have no idea if Kennedy Brooks, like, I know what Boston Scott is. I, I know what Miles Sanders is. Um, and we'll see what Kenny Gainwell is. When it comes to Jason Huntley and, and Kennedy Brooks, they're the only two other backs in, in, in camp. You got to see the pads. I mean, you, can they break tackles? I don't know. 
can they break NFL tackles? Um, you know, even Oklahoma's um, certainly a high level of college, but it's different at this level. Um, so that's one of those positions you 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 just have to wait until the pads come on and see how physical these particular backs can be. Um, the Eagles are going to have a good running game, though. I mean, I don't care who's back there. They're going to have a good running game, and that's because of, of Jalen Hurts and the offensive line. Um, the offensive line is arguably the best in football, and that plus one that Jalen Hurts uh, gives uh, the offense is just really difficult to deal with uh, from a defensive perspective, and that makes everything easier for the running back, who, whomever it is. That's why they were all successful running the football last season. Um, and that's the good. And you saw a little bit of that today, and that might have been the only good with the offense. We're burying the lead because Jalen was awful, awful. And I don't care what A.J. Brown comes to his defense this time. Uh, everybody was there. Everybody could see it. And I said, you know, don't believe me. Listen to Jason Kelsey. He told you. Awful day for the offense. Awful day for the quarterback. Um, but it's not the end of the world. Everybody has bad practices. Yeah, for sure. You know, this this the offense really didn't have the best day, right? But, you know, you mentioned the, the offensive line and its value, especially in this running game. And, you know, I'm really curious about a guy like Lane Johnson. Uh, he's someone he's along with Justin Kelsey, you know, he's the other statement statesman on the offensive line. And I was listening to the Eagle Eye podcast. Shout out to Ruben Frank and Davidson girl. Uh, you know, they mentioned, uh, you know, their contact with Lane Johnson and, you know, how he's been responding to, you know, you know, to, you know, to that ankle, uh, you know, that ankle has been bothering him for the past handful of years. And, you know, he attributed some of the mental, uh, some of the mental health issues, to that ankle being such a hindrance, and he was really questioning whether or not he would be able to come back to play if he if he can get stability on it. Um, yeah. You know, have you heard anything about Lane? You know, what have you know what have, what has been your perspective or your assessment of Lane Johnson thus far in camp? Yeah, I mean, Lane. Um, I I was talking about that last year. I I don't think people knew how seriously his ankle surgery was. It was completely reconstructive ankle surgery. Um, and he admitted today he couldn't even run um, last year at training camp. He was just hobbling around. He couldn't he couldn't run at all, uh, and he was just making do. And he really thought that maybe he had hit a wall and his career was going to be over. And that sort of played into what you were saying with the anxiety and the and and there were some other issues as well. But that was a big part of it. Um, He's such a good player. <laughs> um, such a good player. Top five yeah. tackle in his league, in my opinion. You know, what's interesting, after Lane spoke today, I started to think, and one of the surprises to me in camp so far was Isaac Samalo being at right guard. And we all thought there was going to be a competition or at least something with Isaac and Jack Driscoll. Right. Jack Driscoll hasn't even played at right guard. Um and, and Suo Pettis sort of been the backup to Isaac Samalo. 
and Jack Driscoll's been the backup to Lane Johnson. And after Lane spoke today, it started to clarify me. I'm like, you still got this ankle problem. And I always say about Lane, for people that don't know, Lane was a, was a quarterback in high school, right? He was a tremendous athlete. He was a quarterback in junior college, as a matter of fact. Um, he was a great athlete. He's six foot six. He 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 should probably be about two hundred and forty pounds if he wasn't an NFL player and he wasn't in the weight room every day and he wasn't. Yeah, he said he says he has to fight to keep that weight on. I heard you. I heard him say that at one point. Oh he yeah, has to actually fight to keep the weight oh, on. Yeah. Like he will lose it. Yeah, he he's a guy that after he retires, he's going to be about two hundred forty pounds in about two years. Um, he he has to fight to keep that weight on, um, and and the point I'm trying to make is he. There are certain guys that are big guys, like Jordan Davis is a big guy. Right. Um, right. Jordan Mailata is a big guy. Uh, Lane Johnson is big because he's in the weight room and he's an NFL player and he works to keep that weight on. And when you don't have a natural frame to carry that kind of weight, well, what happens? Ankles, knees. So, and 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 plus Lane is, is post-30. Um, so, you know, the Eagles are, are concerned about that ankle, as Lane is. Now he's feeling much better. Uh, but if something happens again, they got to have somebody to go, and that's why they're probably having Driscoll focus on right tackle as a contingency plan because of that ankle. Understood, understood. If you guys are tuned into Football 24-7 with John McMullen, I'm your host, Tone DeShills II. Make sure you guys continue to smash that like button. Make sure you guys are also subscribed to the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. Also, shout out to our sponsor, Ocean's Casino Resort. There they have the infamous Gallery Sportsbook, the new and improved Gallery Sportsbook, where you can get food, drinks, you can place your bets, and... You can watch the games, the one-stop shop for everything you need when it comes to your sports betting and also just catching a great vacation vibe. Ocean Casino, I had a, I had a great time there when we had our, our draft special, and I had the opportunity to stay there. And I got to say, the rooms are immaculate. The food is immaculate. Just the overall experience is immaculate. So if you guys ever get the opportunity and, you're, and you need to get to the sea, you need to get to the ocean side, make sure you guys stop at Ocean Casino Resort. Great place. Great uh a uh, great place to really get an, uh, really get have some fun. Now, uh, also Jacob Sports, the post game show that's going to be live at Ocean Casinos, the gallery as well. We're going to be doing that every single game day. You're going to see Seth Joyner there, Devin Kane, Derek Gunn, and Mike Missinelli. A lot of legends on that panel. Make sure you guys like it on that as well. Live from the gallery at Ocean Casino Resort. Now, John, you know we're getting close to being able to close the show. Um, I have a just a final question for you. Uh, are there any players who haven't necessarily stood out to you? Maybe some young guys um, or maybe even some veterans who are trying to, you know, get a, a hold on to a roster spot. Are there any people who just haven't really stood out or are there any guys who are on the bubble? <clears throat> well, I gave my game ball today to Davion Taylor. So there's a guy who stood out. He, he had an interception today at another uh, pass breakup. TJ Edwards was talking about him after practice, really uh, showing up. Um, I think a lot of people have forgotten about him because um, 
the Eagles have some other options with Kaiser White and Nicobe Dean, but he's really shown up early in camp. We talked about Marcus had my game ball day one, so he's really shown up. As far as guys underachieving, you know, you, you, again, offensively, things look really, really bad today, but they were okay uh, on day one. Uh, Jalen Rager took a, a step back. People that'll probably excite people more than this because uh, he was he was solid um, on day one of practice. Uh, fell down on a route, which caused one of the interceptions today. Uh, Bradbury had a pass breakup. Uh, offensively, it was it was not good today. This is this is one of those days where you know Nick Sirianni might throw the the film and the trash and say forget well, let me ask you this then because you know one of our you know one of our viewers in the chat he has an interesting perspective and i'm curious to know what your perspective is on this you know clearly the offense had a bad day right but was it bad offense good defense or was it mediocre defense and bad offense you know what, what was it exactly i think it was bad offense um you know, like I said, it was inaccuracy from the quarterback, uh, bad routes. I, I just mentioned Jalen Rager um, falling down um, or not falling down, but he sort of stumbled, um, which caused one of the interceptions. Um, you know, the, the worst play of the game was Jalen Hurts' interception when he tried to force the ball in Avante Maddox uh I intercepted it. And here's the, the theme to me. I, I talked about it. We, we hadn't gotten to the Maddox play. And and Dallas Goddard even said after Avante baited the quarterback, he used that term. Again, not me. Listen to Jason Kelsey. Listen to Dallas Goddard. Dallas said Avante baited the quarterback into throwing this pass. It was a terrible pass. It was – there's no other way to say it. Um, and that's the kind of stuff – you want to see improvement on now it's july it's very early in camp but you know for those who were criticizing Derek gunn and and and, and his report everybody has bad practices and i was surprised everybody has bad practices now everybody got all on on d gunn who's a great reporter and Look, the description was probably off, but that's somebody's description that Derek is relaying. Um, you know, you don't take 10 straight reps in OTA practices. Okay. But the point, the overriding point was he had a bad OTA practice. So what? He had a bad training camp practice today, and everybody saw it. And now A.J. Brown can't go on Twitter and say, you know what? People are making it up because we're not making it up. The center told you. The tight end told you. It was bad. But, you know, so you have to be my, – my point to all this is you have to be realistic. Jalen Hurts is not mentally weak. He doesn't need people jumping on their sword protecting him. He needs to get better. He needs constructive criticism. Um and the Eagles should should give it to him and say, look, this is not acceptable. This type of practice is not acceptable. That's how bad this practice was. Well, you know, I, I, I completely understand your sentiment. You know, for me personally, I don't do well when someone coddles me, right? I do better with 
uh, abrasive criticism. You know, I I do well when people tell me what I did wrong. You know, what I can improve on. Where can I be sharper at? You know, you, you don't you don't get anywhere by coddling a person. Now, of course, it all depends on who you're talking to. Some people have different things that make them tick differently. Um, but overall, Jalen Hurst specifically, he's someone who likes to be coached hard. He's a coach's kid, and um, it's just that it's, it's just that simple. But you know, John, you know, we're going to end it here. You know, once again, I appreciate you for always making yourself available and being the trooper that you already are. Uh, the amount of work you put in for Jacob Sports and all your respective uh, other entities is uh, really something to admire. And uh, once again, man, John, uh, John McMullen, Football 24-7, this guy continues to put that work in. And you guys, the fans, you need to appreciate this man while, you know, while we have him. You know, you never know. He may go to a different market if you guys keep pushing his buttons about this uh, four, <laughs> four, three, three, four. You never know. So, John, you know, stay in Philly, man. You know, you're doing you're doing great work for Jacob Sports, and you know, once again, man, I appreciate you. But you know, Eagles fans, look at it like this: you're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days in camp. It's all right because nine times out of ten, what you're hearing and what you're seeing, you're seeing the quarterback try things, you're seeing the defense try things, you're seeing. You're seeing the skill position guys maybe try different um, different route combinations or or different uh, footwork combinations. You're at the, end of the, at the end of the day, this is a time for for the offense, for the defense to get all those kinks out, to get all those bad throws out. Now, look, ultimately, we're not going to really know what this offense is or what this defense is until the bullets start flying. Not even just in the preseason, but in but during the regular season, Week One in Detroit. That's when you're going to find out who your Philadelphia Eagles team is. Me personally, I give this team about four or five weeks before we know exactly what they are. But when the bullets start flying, that's where you're going to be able to judge these players. Don't judge them in moments of peace. Don't judge them in controlled environments. Judge them in moments of chaos. Judge them when they have to duck, duck grenades and duck bullets, you know, when guys are trying to take their heads off. Those are the moments to really judge this team and really figure out where they are and how far they can go. But... I was joined by the infamous John McMullen. He continues to give you guys dope insight. And I want you guys to continue to smash that like button on Jacob Sports. Subscribe to the channel. Also, check out his work on jacobsports.com. That's J-A-K-I-B sports.com. On top of that, make sure you guys like in on our other content, Burge 365 with Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Uh, sports Take with Bear Brooks. Derek Gunn and Rob Ellis, the National Football Show with Dan Cilio, our new show that's going to be coming out towards the end of August with Rick Ciratella, The Playbook, also our Jacob Sports Post Game Show that's going to be coming very soon when the season starts with Seth Joyner, Devin Caney, Derek Gunn, and Mike Missinelli. As you can see, Jacob Sports is in full effect, and we're putting the pressure on all and on everyone. So everyone, keep your eyes peeled. A lot of things are to come for Jacob Sports. John, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Um, I expect a bounce back from the offense tomorrow, and that's what it's about. Uh, you know, coming back, uh, dealing with the adversity, taking a step back, but getting better from it. And I expect the offense to have a much better day tomorrow morning. Absolutely, man. And you guys, the fans, it's all right. Give, take it easy. Things will get better. This is only the beginning, but. You're going to find out more from your guys, John McMullen and Tone DeShields II. This was Football 24-7 by way of Jacob Sports with John McMullen. You guys take care, stay humble, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay hungry. And we're out of here, you guys. Enjoy your weekend.